Hello and welcome to the Right For Your Life podcast. My name's Ian Broom and I'm joined today by... Donna Sorensen. Coming to With you a new life. microphone. Indeed, don't you sound fantastic? It's very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to move and not to move my arms and I'm just staring straight ahead. I'm trying to get you to do uh, a professional way of thinking, get you ship shape for uh, some professional podcasting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get used to it, I'm sure. It's just, um, yeah... That's not Newfangled true, technology. I'm as um, I'm as uh, calamitous as they come um, when it comes to uh, these things. I have my microphone, but the rest I just sort of bumble around trying to make it all happen in some way or another. But uh, yeah, mm. sounds much clearer. Hopefully, you can all tell, listeners. It's uh, it's and someone was asking um, which microphones we use. I'm happy to share that information. It's not a trade secret. We are using two now, um, uh, Blue Yetis. So they are the Yeti microphone made by the company Blue, not by the 2000s pop band Blue. Blue I was trying to think then when they were actually around, but I am actually that old. Well, that would explain where they'd gone to, I guess, if they had a little factory that made them. They were just working there, all of them. I can't remember how many there were. There were four of them. Um, They were called Duncan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lee. Well, they did the Eurovision uh, a couple of years ago for the UK. Yeah, Eurovision's coming to Denmark uh, next year. It is. Very exciting down the road. Indeed. Anyway, we yeah. digress already. That's great. <laughs> we did, but they're good microphones. They're kind of not cheap, but not expensive either, but they're reasonable quality for this type of thing. So um, I'll put a link to those in the show notes if you're interested in starting your own audio extravaganza. <laughs> but our actual topic this week is going to be around keeping up to date with the publishing industry first of all whether authors published and unpublished should how much it matters how much it matters that you know what's going on in the industry how much do you really care about for example the way um i don't know amazon and independent bookstores are kind of um having have this kind of odd relationship where one is destroying the other um um, whether you follow authors' blogs, whether you should, uh, whether you should be, um, you know, reading writing blogs all the time, listening to podcasts like this, whether it's whether it's worth your time, we'll be discussing that. Yes. Um, <coughs> excuse me for the cough. There might be some more of those. Feeling a little under the weather. <laughs> oh God. Um, and um, and then we'll, then we'll talk more at length about how you go about doing that. So if you already um, keep track of the publishing industry in some way or another, presumably online, then um, then that's great, and hopefully we'll be able to provide some kind of um, uh, information about how we do it. But if you if you don't have any idea how to follow all the right blogs and, and get all the right news, then um, hopefully by the end of this podcast we will have shown you how to, or certainly shown you how, um, uh, how we do it. Indeed. And then we'll have a listener question at the end. Maybe two listeners' questions at the end. And they're good ones. Mm. Look forward to those. Indeed. Have I just said indeed? I feel like I just said it twice. Um, indeed, I think you did. Dear. Doesn't matter. Right then. Keeping up with things online. <coughs> well, not just online, but the publishing industry as a whole. Well, it's the publishing industry. I guess it's, it's things like who's winning the prizes, who's nominated for, for prizes... Mm-hmm. which genres are selling well maybe or or, or or certainly having the kind of knowledge about your own the, the genre 
that you write in, I think, is is important. Or is it? Let's start with that question. Donna, tell me, how how important do you think it is to have, as an author, as an unpublished author, as a a, a published author, either way, how important do you think it is to have a good working knowledge of the publishing industry and all all that goes around what you do? Well, I think it's obviously vital. I say obviously because, I mean, if you don't know what's being published and what people are looking for, then you're not really going to have a chance, are you? Um, pitching your own thing out there in the in the mass of manuscripts and everything. I really feel that I, the last year I've been away from the publishing industry because I used to work um, in a publishing company. And I just, I felt when I was there, like, there was just so much going on around you all the time. You were just in that world. You could just go home and you could take that with you and you could say, yeah, but I can totally see now why that that is more important at the moment than this. And this is like a trend that's happening right now. And this new imprint wants this kind of stuff. And, and that person is well known because they've always done this. It's amazing how much knowledge you get just from being a little bit, you know, tapped into the to the mainframe <coughs> excuse me you were uh, more than a little tapped in though. i mean that's uh, to actually work in the publishing industry is perhaps a step beyond what we're talking about it is totally but then uh, on the other side of it i doing readings and things like that and going to literary events that is another, i think probably even more so there that's where i m- was able to hear what was being written and what was being published and what people were winning prizes for and I think that that was where I really was able to get more of a sense of, OK, this this is, you know, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And that's what I really feel far away from at the moment. Yes. And 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 uh, likewise, myself, uh, to a degree, we've talked about this before, the fact that you know, this is the last year has been our first year with both having uh, children. So that's prevented us from perhaps being involved with these things as we, we, we may have been normally. But um I've always I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again. I hope so. Anyway, I I feel like it's extremely important to have an understanding for well two things: an understanding of the industry that you are either working in or or you want to work in, you want to be a part of. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to be an expert. It doesn't mean that you, for example, have to work in publishing or get a job as a I don't know a, a, a publishing assistant or something like that. You don't have to go that far, but just have some idea of of what's taking place things like as i say who's winning the prizes which books have, have you know sold well this year and that's not because i think that you need to write a book like that whichever one's sold the most it's absolutely not the opposite it's just that you just so that you're aware that you that you're that you that you, that you feel part of it just by the act of knowing what's going on if that makes sense mm, um, yeah absolutely and and but and that's on a very that's on a very kind of contemporary sort of a, a now kind of scale but on a much wider scale, I've always talked about the importance of understanding where your work sits in terms of the entire literary canon. And this goes, again, it goes for uh, all types of authors in all types of genres, um, published and uh, published traditionally and self-published. You, it's, it's important to know where you sit. And, and, uh, and, and, and if you don't, it's kind of... I don't know if you can really... It seems to me it would be much more difficult to to write something uh, that's as good as it can be 
if you're not aware of what's preceded it? I mean, how do you know, for for example, if you're not just rehashing the plot of The Great Gatsby or something like that? Exactly. And more often than not, the mad thing is, is that we are. And that's the thing that's really shocked me, is that, you know, I mean, people have been writing things for, well, a long, long, long time. And, you know, there is only a certain number of ways to say things. People are finding new ways to do things, but they're just new ways based on the old ways, if you get what I mean. I think so. It's the known knowns and the unknown. Unknown known knowns. Indeed. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm constantly reading poems where I'm like, wow, like, I, that, in one of the poems I wrote, there was a little bit of that, or, or they used that word too, and I, you know, I hadn't seen that word used anywhere else. It's, it's, you constantly feel like you're uncovering um, things that have gone before you that, that, that make, not, they don't make what you do less unique, but they, they help you place it more as part of this continu- you know, continuous chain of writing. Of course, and you know, and in some ways, everything is borrowed, everything is stolen. You're constantly, like you say, everything is, uh, um, you know, everything's already been done. That's the theory. I mean, I don't think that's true, but you know, you know what I mean. You are always, you're never going to have a completely original thought. But it's, that doesn't. What we're saying here, what I'm saying here, certainly, is not that you have to be absolutely on the pulse with the publishing industry now, and you have to have read every book that's ever been written. That's that's not the point. It's it's it's. It's more that to whatever degree you want to have that kind of knowledge, just make sure that you don't just sit at your desk, write your novel or write your short stories or poetry or whatever it might be and have blinkers on. Mm. Realise that you are part of something much bigger and enjoy the fact that you're part of something much bigger. Enjoy the challenge of being part of something much bigger and or, or trying to get into it, trying to get into the industry in some way. And, um, and, and kind of don't write with your blinkers on would be... My suggestion. So I, I, I personally think that that it is important to to have some kind of system for keeping up with the news in terms of publishing and and. Yeah. Um, and okay, uh, blogs. That is not necessarily a world that I delve very deeply into these days. Um, if I'm honest. No, and and me much less so now that I do less blogging myself in the sense that I, I do much less kind of. Um, writing advice. My writing advice tends to be, if you can call it that, loosely. Um, wh- whatever I say here in the podcast, this is where I sort of focus that now. I, I do much fewer, if any, uh, blog posts about, you know, well, seven good ways to do something awesome on Goodreads. That's not really my bag anymore. Not that it ever really was, but it's, it definitely isn't at the moment. Mm. And 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 I do I do read some blogs, but I've I've cut it down, and I I only kind of read the ones that I know the information is good, or I know that it isn't something that's basically just nicked from somewhere else and changed. I mean, there are, the part of the reason I I stopped writing those kinds of things was because I realised that everything is just it's just a cycle. I mean, there must be half the internet I think is taken up with blog posts on how to beat writer's block, for example. Mm, yeah. and, and unless you've come up with a genuinely interesting way of beating writer's block, like like an actual practical methodology, then then uh, you know, then I, I'm not really interested. Because <laughs> most again, I said this I said this a couple of weeks ago. Because most of writing advice ends with just sit down and write, which is not mm. not not great writing advice. No. Well, and do you? Do, well, yeah, but we have discussed that before, haven't we as well? If only it were that easy. Um, have you? Do you follow um, any agents on online? 
Um, yes. So, okay, right. I think this is where we venture into how we actually do this. So I follow um, agents and publishers um, on on on, the, on that type of you know kind of publishing industry types on Twitter. That's where that's my kind of go to place for just following people, I suppose. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I was going to say Twitter as well, but I mean, there must be so many that are not on Twitter, so many of the old guard. There are, but I, I think there's less and less. I mean, there's, uh, it's the, the majority of... Maybe majority isn't the right word, but certainly there are a lot of agents and publishers on Twitter, and um, you can follow them, you can you can sort of... Obviously, you can, if you want, you can try and uh, start a conversation with them. <laughs> you can, you can. I mean, it's but it's daunting. Absolutely, isn't it? It's daunting. it is daunting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? How do you start that? Well, what you, well, what you don't do is pitch your work. Yeah. Which is what you know. Some agents uh, do get people pitching their work to them via Twitter. It's not the medium, but you can. The point. The point here really is just being aware of a world that is taking place. So the publishing industry is taking place in some way. You know, stuff happens. Um, on Twitter and other places too, but Twitter, I think, mainly uh, at the moment. So perhaps it's a, it would be a good idea as an author, as a writer, if you were on there to at least just keep in track of what's going on or trying to find interesting people. You don't necessarily have to like be tweeting all the time. That's not, not necessary, but be aware that that is happening and it's taking place. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you have any way of organising those uh, people? Um, I've just got a little list of interesting peeps that I follow. Um, yeah, because otherwise it's just too much, isn't it? Too much. It is. I've, I, I use Twitter lists. So I'm, 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 I, when I was thinking about this show and how we were going to talk about these things, I wasn't quite sure where to pitch it because some people will know exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah. I'm aware that some people might not have a clue what a Twitter list is. But basically, <coughs> excuse me, I thought there was going to be some more of those. Very tickly cough, very frustrating. Can't really see it coming. It's all right. It's better than the windy pops that you've had in previous episodes. That's true. Imagine if I combine the two, I think it might actually explode. <laughs> um, so um, with Twitter, you have you follow people, and then those those people tweet, and that you get a stream of everyone's tweets. But if you want to categorise some people, for example, publishers then you can create a publisher's list and then you can go to that list and you will just filter those people who you put into that list. So I have um, a list that is writing and publishing. Um, I also have a list which is friends. You made it onto that. Oh, yeah. God, that's amazing. Did I make it? So I'm not on the uh, the writing and publishing list. Didn't really see the point. You're in my friends list. <laughs> oh. Um, and then I have one. Uh, I have uh, another one, which is I can't remember the, the name of it, the list actually, but it's basically um, like startups, like publishing startups and interesting companies and blogs, people that aren't publishers but are still kind of interesting. Um, so I have one of those too, and it's a really good way of just using Twitter in a more organised way is to, to use lists. I've been using Twitter lists since they came out, and I'd be lost without them, really. Absolutely, yeah. Um, a little thing which I've started to use this week, and, and this was actually you that recommended this to me. Um, that's every morning at work, I spend a lot of time gathering stories and reading the news. And I used to just have them all open. And then, so now I've downloaded that extension for Chrome where you can just save web pages to read them later and articles. Um, and then when you've got a quiet space, you can just sit down, read through them. I'll really enjoy that. 
Well, that, and that's exactly what I'm going to be coming on to later. Uh, what, what program do you, what uh, app or piece of software do you use to read stuff later? Well, yeah, I just, it's called actually Read Later. Read Later Fast. And all, all you do is you just right click on the, on the web page and it saves it into a little folder for you that you can just access later. Okay, and that's a Chrome extension? Yeah. Okay. You told me, didn't you have one called InstaRead? InstaPaper. InstaPaper, ah, oh, right. Yes, I shall come on to that shortly. So, <laughs> another cough. So you have um, so the, so there's Twitter. So you can I, I find a lot of as well as following people, I get a lot of information and links from Twitter. There's breaking news. It's usually there first. If there's an exactly. old, yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, because there's so much coming through Twitter, and you open things up to an interesting article. But yeah, I just didn't know what to do with it all. You know, indeed. Um, but it's also there's there's also a lot of stuff on there that is. Um, yeah, link, links to articles uh, that, that are interesting, um, and uh, that you may not have, like you say, may not have time to read there and then because of the nature of just checking Twitter quickly. But um, but you can save them for later. But again, I'll, I'll come on to that. Um, so the other thing, which is the my, my main thing, so there is Twitter, but my main thing is using a feed reader. Um, I used to use Google Reader, as did half the people, well, more than half probably people who use feed readers. But that closed down. So my replacement for Google Reader is has been Feedly, um, and on um, on my iPhone and iPad I use something called Reader. So the two things kind of hook up. Um, so a, a, a feed reader for anyone who doesn't know is is uh, fantastically awesome. If you um, every blog or most websites as well, like the Guardian Books website, for example, will have an RSS feed, and all you need to do is find that link. It will be on the page somewhere, and then you add that website's RSS feed to your feed reader, and then you never have to visit those that site or, or any of the other sites that you subscribe to via RSS again because the articles will appear in chronological order in your feed reader, and it strips out all of the adverts and all the nonsense, so you've literally just got you know the core of the story that you want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use Feedly for that. Do you, do you use feed reader much? I know I've, I've started using something called Zite. I don't know that's pretty much the same thing. I've never heard of it. No. <laughs> um, but yes, and I've actually been meaning to use Feedly a bit more. It's good. It has some features, so it has a similar sort of thing. So although uh, similar sort of, um, I use it in a similar sort of way to the way I use Twitter, my feed readers, because I've been using um, feed reader for quite a long time. I've got a system set up so i categorize things in in a similar way to how i do with my twitter lists so (coughs) i do apologize everyone so um i have uh i have my main feed where everything comes in but i subscribe to i subscribe to blogs about writing i subscribe to sort of big publishing news sites that post a lot of publish a lot of posts every day i subscribe to sort of design related things technology related blogs um, like friends who have their own websites, I subscribe to those. So if I want to just find, for example, the latest publishing news, then it can be quite, um, you know, it's quite difficult to find it in that one long stream of um, articles. So um, I have a publishing uh, category, or I think that's what they call them. Maybe it's a group or something like that. Let me have a look in Feedly. Feedly's good. Feedly.com. It's uh, it's it's, it's um, I recommend it. Um, 
can't find it. But basically, uh, publishing, and then I have one for writing, which is mainly blogs, and then I separate out the, all the other stuff too. So f- for every type of um, uh, article or link that I want to read, it has its own place. Um, so it's things like, um, um, like I say, it's things like blogs, but also um, The Guardian, like I say, websites like Publishing Perspectives, Book to Book is a very good web, uh, very good sort of uh, news aggregator for um, in the UK. Um, you can go to their website and they have various different feeds that you can use, but that's basically just a, a publishing news site. Um, and then I have this this probation category as well. So sometimes if you, especially for blogs, you're not quite sure whether you want to subscribe to the blog or not, but you know that you'll forget if you don't add it to your feed reader at that point. So you can put, I put it into a category, category called probation, which is an idea I got from um, my internet pal Patrick Roan. And basically, you, if you're not sure about something, you put it in there. If you, if you find that you're reading articles from it regularly, then you move it into one of the bigger categories, one of the main permanent categories. Great idea. And that works quite well for me. So using a feed reader is, is the other way. And I, I, yeah, I really recommend anyone that isn't using one um, to do so straight away. Are you going to use one more after that rant? I'm totally going to use it now. You just got me. Tomorrow morning, first thing I'm going to do is get back on Feedly. Well, the good thing about Feedly too, and, and various other um, feed readers, is they have a lot of the sharing stuff built in as well. So you can you can read something there and then and then just share it to Twitter or you can share it to Facebook or wherever you'd like to share things. And um, it's all kind of, you know, they're, they're fairly sophisticated bits of software. Um, what about Facebook? Do you get... Oh, I was just going to say that. It's quite... Facebook, I find, is not as useful in general for anything. But um, there are some people I follow now that have, sh- have started to share things like short stories, um, like one a day, which is quite an interesting thing, I've, I find, because it's it's just people are inspired just to, to to post links to famous ones or, you know, not famous ones, but ones written by, um, by well-known writers and things like that. And I, I'm really enjoying that because just... What with everything else, short stories is, are something that I've never really explored, and I, yeah, it's nice just to sit there and think, oh yeah, I can actually just take a few minutes to read that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't use Facebook a great deal in general, really, but the, the, the few, the problem I've found is that the few things that I do follow, um, which are writing related, I tend to follow them on Twitter as well. So I've, by the time I've checked Facebook and seen a link to something on there. I've probably already found it on Twitter and or read it earlier in the day or through my through Feedly or something like that. Mm, yeah, there are some people, some people in the publishing industry and the poetry publishing industry in particular, um, who are on Facebook and not on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Um, actually, I think I'm right in saying it. Neil Astley, who uh, is runs Blood Axe Books. I don't know if you've heard of Blood Axe Books. Very big po- have, poetry yeah, yeah. Yeah, label. Um, he's very active on facebook but a lot of his own kind of personal stuff as well i don't think i've seen him on twitter i should double check that actually um but yeah i think it's obviously it's good to be on facebook but i just yeah when you've got twitter facebook just it's not as interesting i I find personally yeah i mean i don't i use i don't use my uh, my facebook author profile as well as i could do at all i could i could yeah it's um it's just uh i often advise people if i get asked 
um, when it comes to social media is to just kind of make sure that you do make sure that you keep one at least one thing up to date but pick which you think is best for you or the one that you enjoy doing most don't feel like you have to update everything um, and have an account on every platform and mm. so so that's kind of my attitude with Facebook I keep it sort of plodding along if I've got specific news about my writing or about you know my literally about my novel but um, and the occasional link to this podcast but not a huge amount it's funny though isn't it because when you when you have your own page like that but you've also got your own profile uh, if i've had big news to do with my writing i've sat there and i thought okay so my page has about half the number of followers as my own profile so i've just thought what on earth is the point of me putting it out on my page i just might as well just bang it out on my profile well, you'd stick it in both or share share from one to the other, but that's that's mainly because for, in both our cases, we probably have more uh, friends and family than we do fans. Absolutely, but <laughs> um, and then I was thought, well, you know, if I do it on both, people are just going to be completely switched off to it. You know, it's just like we've just seen that. Uh, people don't mind, I think, as long as you don't do it all the time. No, well, ex- exactly. I've just realised, as I said it, I just thought about all the posts that I read, you know, every day about this is what I had for dinner and, and exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah. You, you put up with enough. <laughs> totally. So um, the next uh, headline I've got here in my notes is, what do I do with it all? So if that's how I find it, if I find um, information and articles and links about the industry, news, um, through Twitter and uh, Feedly mainly, then what do I do with it after that? So this is where it comes back to the idea of reading it later and... Um, and an uh, uh, Instapaper in my case. So if I find an article on Twitter, then I'll either read it then, or, as is more likely, because Twitter is more of a fleeting thing, you don't often sit down and think, right, let's find an article and then read it, um, is I will save it for later using Instapaper. Mm-hmm. So Instapaper has been around for a few years. Um, it was kind of the original um, save it later uh, kind of um, uh, app or... Um, piece of software and it's very simple you just have a little bookmarklet um, in your browser and if you're on a page and you want to read it at a later date you can go to your bookmarklet and click read later and then that article will get put into your an archive of articles that you've said to read later and uh, you can then go back and read them whenever you want the great thing about instapaper is that it's got really really good um, um, ipad and iphone apps so it's actually really, really nice, especially if it's a if it's a website, as most of them are. That's not particularly well designed, you know, adverts down the side, small font, that kind of thing. All you do with the Instapaper is uh, is you know, stick it in there, and then you you can read it, and it strips out all of those things and puts it in a really nice big font that you can control. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's great. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so that's what I do with Twitter. I, I a lot of my Instapaper links come from Twitter um, because if I'm using Feedly, then the chances are I've sat down to read stuff anyway, so I've got a bit more time. So I just read it there and then, uh, rather than send it to read later in Instapaper. A lot of people use in, in, with Twitter use um, the favorites function, so they use that almost like a bookmarking function. Is that something that you do? No, it's not actually, not at all. Yes, yeah, so I can go back and look through my favorites. I, I've been using favourites more like a liking system on Facebook. Absolutely. I, I wrote about this uh, uh, a few months ago. I, I, I basically treat 
Twitter favourites like Facebook likes, it's my way of saying, well, that was funny, or that's interesting, or thanks for mm. that, that type of thing. Mm. Or like a, a conversation closer. If someone's... Uh, if I've had a conversation with someone and they've finished with a witty retort of some kind, but I haven't really got anything else to add, then I'll just I'll just like the I'll just do a little like it's like, I, it's like a cheeky wink. Oh, I know. Mm, it's it's universal. I'm pretty sure that must be a universal use of it. Yeah, I don't think so. It's, well, I know I definitely not. Some people use uh, use favourites to bookmark things, like so in, instead of. Oh, oh no! I mean, like a, as a way to finish the conversation. Okay. Okay. Yes. And everyone's going to be deeply offended now if you favourite their stuff after a few uh, back, back, backwards and forwards with them on Twitter. <laughs> well, I hope not. It's, it's generally meant to, well, it's always meant as a, as a, as a positive gesture, and a knowing glance or a wry smile in the form of a uh, social media interaction. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I don't use Twitter favourites for, for that kind of thing, but um, some people do. Um, <laughs> You know, just even talking about all of this... Am I upsetting I mean, it is upsetting me, yeah. Because it's... I mean, this is the, this is in the ideal world, isn't it? But, I mean, you know, you've sat down, you've done your day job, you've done everything you need to do, you've had your dinner, and you sit down, and then you want to write something. More often than not, it's the choice, isn't it, between actually writing something and then sitting and spending hours sifting through stuff on Twitter, putting things into Feedly, going on to Facebook. This is the, the the constant challenge for all of us. And I would say, more often than not, is it not just better just to actually open a book and have a read, clear your head of all of this stuff and just get into someone else's world, do a good old bit of old-fashioned book reading and then write something. You know, you're probably right. I think that's a very good point. If you're, Especially if you're, if you're stretched for time, then obviously I think it's probably much better to do a bit of good old-fashioned book reading or certainly to write some stuff of your own. But I think it also depends on what you do for a living. I think both me and you are kind of in this, um, in, in, the, in the kind of content publishing world, content writing world, and, uh, and, and, and being, being aware of these types of, I don't know, apps and, and the internet in general um, is part of our day jobs and it, it certainly isn't for everyone. And, but uh, to counter you slightly, although I think I kind of agree with you in principle, but to counter you slightly, that's the, that's kind of the beauty of uh, of having, um, you know, these things on our mobile. So Twitter is on our mobile phone. Um, uh, Feedly and various other feed readers are on, or readers, which is what I use, R W D E R. Um, you can get those for the iPhone. So if you get a spare five minutes, if you're dare I say it, on the toilet. You can probably have a quick look. I'm not saying that it's, you know, I'm not saying this is a full-time job. It can be things that you do just to snatch time here and there. And that's definitely what I do now. I, I used to what, spend... going to the toilet? <laughs> yes, it's very hygienic to use a <laughs> mobile phone on the toilet. <laughs> no problems there. I have been known to, to try that, yeah. Um, I, another aspect which we haven't talked about to do with all of this is actually buying um, literary magazines. And uh, periodicals, you know, things like literary journals. Yes, well, it's something I don't do, but whenever I go to your mother's house, she always passes on her copy of The Writer. Oh, yeah, what you mean, like, in terms of of articles and stuff like that, but I'm talking about actual journals that people are having stuff published in, like short stories and poetry. I see. Um, Some absolutely fantastic ones out there, you know, which, which 
if you're serious about getting published, should be first call, first port of call. It's all part of knowing what's going on, isn't it? It's, that is, I mean, in, in, and in some cases for literary journals, a lot of the writers will be unpublished too. It'll be kind of their, their first steps into being, well, I, I guess they've just become published, but it's, it's, it's going to be a real eclectic mix of, of authors and writers and, 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 and work. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, old and new names, definitely all together. Yes. Um, okay, so should we just sack this off then? Is this all a waste of time? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just, well, it's, I think everything in moderation, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And and I, I, I genuinely believe that as well, just because I'm kind of slightly geeked out in this world. I'm aware that a lot of people aren't. And I'm aware that you don't necessarily need to be. I just feel like having some awareness, or just just knowing how to find this, uh, find you know the, this information out. I think is is handy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so finally, um, uh, like I say, I use Instapaper for mainly the actual reading of the stuff. I do have folders. You can create folders within Instapaper um, to. Um, to keep things that you particularly think were brilliant um but i'm not very good at doing that i I do have them but i don't use them very well usually if i just read something and then i just archive it and it's gone out of my list that i know i don't have to um i know that it's been read um but you can organize stuff in instapaper as well so throughout this entire process from finding something to deciding when you're going to read it and then the actual reading of it and archiving there is you can create your own structures and workflows, I believe is the word. Yeah. Um, um, it's it's all quite sophisticated and it's all very simple. So if you are listening to this and you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, it's much more straightforward than it sounds. And it's all, it's basically, all of this really is basically to stop you thinking, oh, I'd better find out who's won the Man Booker Prize um, and then just sort of trying to Google it or just scramble across the Guardian website or the, I don't know, whatever it might be. I don't know if you ever asked this, but um, but since I've been writing and stuff like that, I've had quite a lot of people ask me, um, who do you read then? Who are, who are good poets? Who would you recommend? Yes, I get it. Yeah. yeah, you get asked that. Um, and a while ago, I started to collect a little folder online of when I read a good poem that I thought was just absolutely amazing. Then I just whacked it in there just just so I could have it to go back to in the future. I've got all sorts of poems in there um, in that folder. But I, I find that, you know, like, well, I'll tell you something very nice that happened. One of those poems um, I put a link to on my website because I, I said that I wanted to um, to have some poetry links up there, but I hadn't finished that page on my website. So I said, but in the meantime, while I'm working on this page, here's a link to a poem that I love. Um, it's called Holding On by Clive McWilliam. And um, and the, uh, Clive, he emailed me a little while ago just to say um, how, how nice he thought it was that his poem was up there and... Just, it was really nice, like, to have a little bit of contact with another poet online, just like that. That I just found their poem and I'd enjoyed it, and I was sharing it, um, which I thought was great. That is great, and I, I had a similar thing happened to me. I read a "Bringing It All Back Home" by Ian Clayton, which was a fantastic book, nonfiction, and I, I, I don't think it was even a review. I think I just mentioned it on my Tumblr account, and lo and behold, he emailed me a few days later to say that he'd noticed it and just thanks, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, it, it's it's like, you know, people... 
what you say and, and what you read, it does make a difference, actually. And, and we are all connected out there on this strange interweb. It's true. It's true. So I think um, I think that's more or less uh, covered what I do. Was there anything I, that was mainly me talking? I realise now. Is there anything that, uh, that that you do to keep track of uh, what's going on? That, uh, no, that's all right. I, I told you about my my um, my read later thing that you said that's great, but I'm going to talk about it later, and you did. You talked about it later. <laughs> so I think I've covered all my bits. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Shall we have a? <gasps> Question. I think we should. Right, so we have two. Let's start with one which was quite similar to one that we already answered, but pertinent nonetheless. <coughs> Excuse me once more. So Helen S. Fields asks, how do you know when you've got it right? And then I said to her, do you mean, do you mean a, a particular part of the writing process or the whole thing? And she says, the finished thing, really, it's the, in inverted commas, time to stop editing, or is it, issue. Mm. So it's the idea of knowing when to stop. And the other question, which was similar, which you just mentioned, I don't think we ever did answer it, but that was, you know, how many drafts are enough drafts? What do you think? I think that it is really different from each piece of writing to the next. Yeah. I really do. And I don't think there are any hard and fast rules for it. I'm not sure what you think. But it's it's a lot of the time it's just a sense of of that you get from the piece of work um, after having left it for a, for a while and, and worked for it a few times. Don't you think? I think that's a really good point, actually, that it, that it, it, it changes from piece to piece. My um, My philosophy has always been to get something to a point where I feel I honestly can't make it any better um, at that particular point in my life and I, I put that little addition on because I read A's for Angelica now or you know, every couple of days I read through my novel and um, <laughs> with <coughs> happiness yeah um, and, uh, and obviously I see places where I think I could do better but I, I know I remind myself that when it, at that particular point where I was coming to the end and I was working on it with my uh, first my agent then my editor I know that there wasn't any more I could do at that point the, 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 I needed to put a full stop and I think that's probably what I would say is that you you're the you're the person who will know and you have to you do have to stop somewhere don't sort of go on forever you, you will always find something that you can edit just just be confident that you've yeah. done everything that you can. Yeah, and, and, you know, having that deadline actually is a great thing. But, I mean, if you take my manuscript, when I sent that in, I thought that I got it to the stage where I couldn't do any more. And when the editor got hold of it, I I was shocked because, you know, he was sending me back edits and I was like, well, obviously, I mean, how the hell could I have written that? That's just unbelievable that that got past my eyes. But I've been looking at it so much that I couldn't see it. And... um so yeah, it's really interesting when when you have new people enter the enter the process. It does end up that being um, a longer process. And I was going to ask you whether um, there were chapters or pages of A is for Angelica that you hardly had to do anything with, or maybe you didn't have to touch them at all when it came to the editing process. 
Uh, yeah, the first, the very first chapter has, was is almost identical to, uh, it, well, to the very first draft. So what's yeah. in the what's in the book is more or less, apart from one very crucial, naughty word, um, in the last sentence, it's it's almost identical to the very first draft, which was what years naughty word, Sam? It was. It, it begins with uh, the. Sixth letter of the alphabet. What, you didn't write that in your book? You had to take it out? I chose to take it out. <gasps> Why? I decided it was... But your mum wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> no. I just de- <laughs> I just decided at the last minute that someone had someone years ago had told me to take it out. And I said, no, the, the, the impact of the word is important. It needs to be there. And... Um, and then at the last minute, I, I decided to agree with them and took it out. Mm-hmm. But Interesting. A, but apart from that, yes, that, that particular page was more or less the same. Well, I, and one of my poems, one of the first ones that got published, um, I literally sat down and I think I wrote it in about five and a half minutes, just like a, a flurry of activity. And I didn't ever touch that poem ever again. And it's as it was in my book now, that the, from the first five minutes I wrote it. And... That, that doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. And those are the nice times, aren't they, when you've just whopped something out on the page and you just think, oh, that's it, I got it, first time. doesn't happen very often, as I said. No, but it is magical moments when it does. Yes. So you never know. You might not even need that much editing. Yes, but, but it'll be you that makes the decision. I think there is a, an instinct to that kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Okay. So the last uh, question, I think we've got time very quickly for a one last listener question. Um, what have we got here? So yeah, we'll we'll make this quick because I think it's I think it's a, I think a quick answer is uh, should be sufficient. But how is it, how important is it now for new fiction writers to build a following by blogging, podcasting, Twitter, etc.? This is a question by Linus Edwards on Twitter at Linus Edwards L I N U S. And again, I, I asked for his thoughts. And he said, well, looking from the outside, it seems it really helps. If you didn't have the podcast, I'd have never heard of Ace for Angelica. So it's a fair point. Um, then says, but there are also people that have good internet presence, such as HC Marks, um, that remain unpublished. So I don't know. And then finally, seems publishers want authors, uh, want, seems publishers want authors who, an author who is known in some way, and that, that has more sway with them than even a brilliantly written novel. Hmm. I don't think it has more sway than a brilliant written novel, but I'm sure it makes a massive difference in this day and age. I mean, you would have to just have the world's best book if you, you know, were a person that sat out in the woods, never spoke to anybody. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, you have to show willing. You can't just say, well, actually, here's the book and I'm not going to do any marketing or promotion. I'm not going to go to any events. I mean, you just, you can't do that. You have to buy into the idea that you are part of the team that sells your novel. Yeah, and do I mean? Do you still think that that um, that actual physical events uh, for kind of novels and things like that are more important than online presence? Um, I don't know. I think it's so hard to say. I think it depends on who you are and how you're trying to sell your stuff. Obviously, if you're a self-published author, then the online stuff is going to be way more important and influential. But if you're Salman Rushdie, probably less so. He's probably does all right by turning up at a book signing and having hundreds of people turn up. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tricky one. But I, I, mean, I would say that it, it is a, a definite benefit um, um, and it does really help. 
and agents and publishers do want to know whether you have or have not. They then will have obviously have to make a decision. I don't think it will be like the deal breaker. I don't think that they will go, well, this person you know, has only got 100 followers on Twitter, therefore I'm not going to take them on, even though I think that this book is amazing. That's not going to happen. They will still take you on. But um, if you can go to them and say, here's my novel, they like the novel, or the short stories, whatever it might be, and then you say, oh, by the way, I've also, I also run my own blog or podcast or whatever it is, and I've got a couple of thousand people who read, listen, or whatever it might be, then, um, then and they're gonna love it. their eyes are going to light up slightly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive help, but it is a big time commitment. It is a massive time commitment. And if you're out there writing something, that's, well, as we just talked about, it's, uh, it's, it's a balance that you need to, to strike it is, because there's family life to think of. Speaking of which, you've got a baby crying. I've got at least one baby who coughing that stops off. So <laughs> I know, we're going to have to go rescue Ivy. And but it's been <laughs> wonderful as always, Ian. <laughs> it has. Anyone who's been listening to this, don't worry, there are other people in our houses who are tending to these things. We're not <laughs> sad. We can hear it too, don't worry. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm just, yes. All right, okay. Well, uh, people can find you on Twitter, can't they? The Flying Poet. They can find me at Ian Broom, and there's a website called ianbroom.com slash podcast. Go and listen to it. Let's go get our babies. Cool, thanks. Sorry about all that, everybody. My goodness, honestly. (laughs) She's normally so good at sleeping. I'm brilliant at sleeping when allowed. (laughs) I'll see you next week. Ta-ta. Bye.